Good morning and welcome to morning worship here at the Welcome Hall. Welcome to all who are able to join us in person and welcome to any who are watching online. We begin this morning with some words from Psalm 9. The Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment. He shall judge the world in righteousness and he shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. So shall we begin this morning with hymn 137, declaring the greatest of our Lord's deeds among the people. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Hymn 137. <coughs> Shall we all pray? Heavenly Father, Eternal Son, Holy Spirit, Triune God, we come before you this morning resolved to praise you with our whole hearts, to tell out your marvellous works, to be glad and to rejoice in you, and to sing praise to your name, O Most High. We thank you that you are a holy God, utterly pure, perfect and sinless, without any trace of evil and with no shadow of turning, 
always faithful to your own holy name, always devoted, Father, to Son and to Holy Spirit in love. We thank you that you are a good God and that you do nothing but good. And we thank you that of your goodness we have all received. We have a a, a pleasing duty, a wonderful obligation to come and to uh, sing praise to your name and to tell of what you have done. And we pray for the help of your Holy Spirit, Father, that we might uh, fulfil this this morning and that you might be glorified as we come to meet together. Lord, we thank you that as we look around the world and as we see the uh, evil which is being committed, the wrongs that are done, the oppression that is, we thank you that we can rejoice in the knowledge that you have prepared your throne for judgment and that you will judge the world in righteousness, that you shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. Lord, we very much hope that those uh, who are committing evil deeds, we think of uh, the Russian oppression in Ukraine, and Lord, the many other places where there are war, we very much hope that they will be brought to justice in time, that they will uh, face the earthly courts and that justice might be a scene to be done. But we know, Lord, that whether or not they are apprehended and are brought to book uh, now, we know that no one will escape your judgment, that there everyone will be made to stand before you, uh, all the, uh, the records will be opened, uh, every secret will be revealed, and each one will be held accountable for every sin which is committed. There will be no miscarriages of justice, there will be no uh, inappropriate sentences, but each one will receive the penalty due for uh, the deeds committed in the body. Lord, that is a comfort, but we know ourselves, Lord, that we too are sinners. We too deserve to face your justice. And so we thank you, Lord, that this psalm that we've read continues that you will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, that those who know your name will put their trust in you. We thank you, Father, that you have revealed yourself through Jesus Christ to be the one who will save his people from their sins. And so we come this morning, we come humbly, uh, we come uh, confessing, Lord, that we ourselves have offended you. We have grievously sinned against all your commandments. We've not kept any of them. We're still inclined toward all evil. But we praise you for the salvation that you have revealed to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you he yielded his life an atonement for sin. And now the life gate is open that all may go in. Whoever will come to Jesus Christ will find salvation through him. And so we pray, Lord, that once again this morning you will give your gospel to be preached. Lord, that we as sinners might come to Jesus and receive from him the peace of sins forgiven. Lord, we pray also for those who are oppressed in other ways, those who are oppressed with uh, ill health. Lord, you know uh, those of our number who are sorely tried this, uh, this morning. And we pray, Lord, for your comfort and your help. Lord, we pray for those with the sorrow of loved ones who don't yet know Jesus as Saviour. We pray, Lord, that you will have mercy uh, and that you will bring whole families uh, to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Lord, we pray for those who are oppressed with financial difficulties, uh, with uh, all kinds of sorrows of heart and mind. Lord, you are a God who saves. We pray that you will hear the cries of the needy, that you will open your eyes and see a distress, that you will stretch out your mighty arm and that you will act. Lord, that you will do all of this so that we might be brought to praise you uh, for your wondrous demonstrations of love to us. We thank you, Lord, that for all that you have promised to do for us now, yet we who, who know the Lord Jesus have the hope of greater rejoicing when our Lord Jesus Christ returns, when we see him face to face. And we pray, Lord, that you will hasten that day. Come, Lord Jesus, come and rule over this world. Come and make an end of all evil. Come and bring your kingdom in. For that day, Lord, we watch and wait. We ask these things in your own precious name. Amen. Amen. 
Once again, a very warm welcome to all who are here this morning, and a special welcome to uh, Gordon and Jane, who are returning after two weeks of holiday. Good to have you back. A reminder that Cresh and Young Church go out in the, uh, the third hymn for any who need that. And then uh, this afternoon, the investigators group, the Kids Connect Extra group, and the Rooted group for teens all restart. Uh, so that's meeting um, various places around the site at 2.30 this afternoon. And then this evening, we look forward to our uh, evening service at 6pm, uh, which tonight will include communion. And moving on through the week, the Youth Discipleship Group meeting at Gordon and Jane's um, on Monday night at 5.30. Um, also on Monday night at 7.30, we have our Elders and Deacons meeting. Uh, do please uh, pray for the church leaders as we gather. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning at 10.30 is the coffee morning. All are very welcome to come along for that. And then Tuesday evening at 7.45 we're all meeting together uh, in this building for our Bible study and prayer meeting. Uh, the Babies and Toddlers group also restarts after the Christmas break, um, Wednesday at uh, 1.30. And then uh, in the evening uh, at 7pm, the Kids Connect group. And then on Friday, uh, again, the Rooted group have their, uh, their meeting at 7.15 in the evening. Uh, next Sunday, uh, looking forward to once again meeting at a church at 10.30 and 6pm in the evening and once again it will be the evening service which includes communion next week. And just uh, notice that the Worcestershire Gospel Partnership will be meeting and using the church lounge on Wednesday morning. All these notices in the will of the Lord. And now we'll have our second hymn. If you're using the books, is number 313, 313. Name of all majesty, fathomless mystery, king of the ages, by angels adored. Hymn 313, if you're using the books.
From time to time, we believe it's a good thing to spend a few minutes on a uh, Sunday morning as part of our worship service uh, to take notice of how the Holy Spirit is at work through the church to build Christ's kingdom. And this morning, I just want to spend a couple of minutes highlighting the work of the Middle East Reformed Fellowship, or MIRF. We perhaps wondered from time to time how people in uh, places like Muslim countries, hostile to the gospel, that are closed to uh, missionaries and foreign workers, how people in those countries could ever come to hear about Jesus. Or if, miraculously, by a, a work of God's grace, they are converted, how could they be taught and strengthened in their faith? Well, one means that the Lord is using today is radio and the internet. And this is one of the main works that Murph is involved with. Uh, every night of the week, Murph has a half-hour slot on a radio station that's available to 340 million Arabic speakers throughout the Middle East. And a team of Arab believers, they make the programme using a thought-provoking, conversational style that encourages listeners to get in touch by a text or email or letter for personal follow-up. And, and there are hundreds of people who do. Uh, one example was uh, a university student from Mecca. Uh, he first wrote into the radio station with a, an angry message calling the doctrine that Christ is the Son of God a, a false and, and blasphemous doctrine, as uh, Muslims are taught to believe. Um, but he received a gentle reply, encouraging him to read the uh, Murph's website, their Arabic website, and to read the Arabic Bible. And a little while later, wonderfully, he wrote back saying, it all makes good sense to me. It's obvious. I can't atone for my own sins. Thanks be to God who has done that for me. So that's the, the Arabic language work. Other teams make radio programmes in 12 other languages so that the gospel can be heard over the airwaves in Sudan, Ethiopia, Somali, Iran, um, Indonesia and Pakistan. And through these broadcasts, many have come to know Christ in places where there are no churches and where foreign missionaries are banned. Uh, the internet is being used as another important tool for the gospel. The Arabic language teams have set up a couple of websites. Um, one is called Dardasha 7. Uh, Dardasha is, a, is an Arabic word meaning chatting. And the sites are specially designed uh, with a focus on young people. A focus is on presenting the person of Christ and his beauty and his work as the true saviour of fallen humanity, and doing all of this in terms that are understandable to Muslims. Uh, as well as evangelism, Murph has a heart for strengthening and equipping local churches. Uh, they're very active in Indonesia. Indonesia has the world's fourth largest population, 273 million people spread across 17,000 islands. There are 1,300 different ethnicities and more than 700 local languages. Half of the population live on Java Island, which is where Murph ministry teams are based. Um, and here they would hold uh, regular sessions to help train pastors and church workers. Now, prior to COVID, most of this was done uh, in person and so was limited to those living on the island, living nearby. You can imagine the, the logistical problems of, of trying to bring people in from 17,000 different islands. But thanks to COVID, use of uh, online video chat tools like Zoom exploded. And so opportunities for online outreach, biblical training, multiplied almost overnight. So that believers and interested seekers from all over Indonesia can now be reached and the church can be uh, strengthened by these means. So in every mission field, uh, most teams are made up of uh, indigenous people, people local to the area. That means that they're completely at home with the local languages and the cultures. Uh, they understand the challenges that new believers face in living for Christ in those particular contexts. Uh, Murph is involved with uh, diaconal aid. Uh, they give um, funds to help with many uh, practical problems in all the regions uh, that they're involved with. 
so much more that could be uh, said about um, the projects they're involved with, but I do encourage you to have a look at uh, their website, that's merf.org, merf.org, uh, where you can also sign up for their uh, monthly newsletter and find out what's going on um, so that we can support this uh, very uh, useful, very fruitful, very necessary work in prayer. But perhaps we can just uh, commit them to the Lord in prayer now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you made a promise that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And we thank you, Father, that we are living in days when we are seeing this fulfilled before our eyes. Once knowledge of the glory of the Lord was confined to those who lived in the promised land, those who could travel to the, uh, the temple in Israel. But we thank you that now uh, Christ has ascended, the gospel is going out to the ends of the earth. We thank you, Father, that uh, you are building your church. And we thank you that the gospel of Christ cannot be confined uh, by uh, national barriers, by hostile governments. And we thank you, Lord, for um, the work of Murph, that they have taken the gospel to the airwaves, that they're sending it out uh, through the internet. We thank you for the millions of people who have the opportunity to hear this glorious gospel through the work that <coughs> Murph does. We thank you for the vision that you've given them to equip local believers to use the radio and the internet. We thank you for churches planted and strengthened and equipped. We do pray, Lord, for those who have opportunity to hear the gospel, that you, by your spirit, might prompt them to make use of these opportunities. We thank you that throughout uh, these regions, many, including whole families, are coming to know you. They're to, coming to be saved. They're coming to uh, recognise that they cannot uh, save themselves and to give you thanks for what you have done through Jesus Christ. We do pray, Lord, that you will uh, strengthen believers who in many of these places must endure hostility, a persecution, even facing death for the name of Christ. <coughs> We pray, Lord, that you will uphold them. We pray too, Lord, that workers in these places will be strengthened and helped to endure, even with great joy, and that you will bless them in the work that they're doing for your name. Thank you, Lord, that we are able to learn about these things and be encouraged as we see you fulfilling your promises. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to pray and to support these ministries, to have our part in it. And we do pray that you will bless them for Jesus' sake, as we ask these things in his name. Amen. Amen. And now we'll turn to our scripture reading, which this morning is to be found in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. So we'll start reading from Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass, when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples, that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. 
And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a winebibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you, that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgments than for you. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. And may God bless his word to us as Jeremy opens it to us in a few minutes. But before he does so, uh, let us sing together our third hymn, which is 338. 338. For your gift of God the Spirit, power to make our lives anew, pledge of life and hope of glory, Saviour, we would worship you. 338.
Sunday mornings, we're going to do a short series of sermons, just three weeks, looking together at the closing verses of the 11th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, under the overall title, The Great Invitation. Turn with me, please, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and to the closing verses, verses 28, 29, and 30. These are standout verses. We have here words spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. Words of invitation. And this is indeed the invitation of all invitations. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. These verses constitute a single invitation. But the invitation is stated in verse 28, and then amplified in verses 29 and uh, 30. So we're going to uh, spend a a week uh, on uh, each verse, uh, seeking to uh, focus in upon the particular emphasis of each of these wonderful uh, three verses. So this morning our text is Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Matthew 11, 28. What words these are? Come to me, All you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We'll call the message from God's word this morning, come and rest. You notice the first word of the text, come. The last word of the text, rest. And this, in summary, is what the Lord Jesus is inviting us to do in this verse this morning. Come and rest. Three things. Number one. You are invited. You are invited. Central to this verse is who's invited. How does the Lord Jesus Christ put it? He says, all you who labour and are heavy laden. Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Striking words, aren't they? All you who labour and uh, are heavy laden. But what uh, do they mean? Well, let's take a moment or two to uh, think about them. Jesus says, you who labour. The word labour here is sometimes uh, translated weary. It carries with it the idea of being fatigued. All you who labour, you who are Weary, you who are fatigued. And we can all feel weary at times, can't we? Perhaps you feel weary when you go to bed at night. Perhaps if we're honest, sometimes we feel weary when we get up in the morning. We can all feel weary at times. But this weariness of which Jesus speaks here is is more than that. It speaks of being weary of life. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt overwhelmed as if everything is just too much? But more than that, it speaks of being weary of sin. Have you ever felt anything of that? To be filled with regret as you look back over your past life and think of some of the things that you've thought and said and done or maybe things that you should have done and haven't and you're weary wearied by the guilt of your sin but it's more than that it's a being weary of a self-righteousness weary of trying to find the answer in yourself Weary of just constantly trying to be better and to do better and to get better. The feeling that so often it's two steps forward and one step back or sometimes it's one step forward and two steps back. You who labour, who are weary, 
who feel fatigued. But Jesus adds to this description, you who labor and are heavy laden. Heavy laden. Sometimes translated burdened. It carries with it the idea of being bowed down. Of carrying a great weight and feeling yourself to be buckling under that weight. It's a heaviness of spirit. Have you ever felt that? To feel a, a heaviness of spirit. Perhaps you left 2022 behind and maybe were glad to do so. <coughs> and you went into uh, 2023 uh, with uh, expectation. You thought to yourself, a new year, new hope. And yet we're only eight days in. And perhaps already you're feeling more like New Year, old problems. The year may be new, but life is much the same. You are much the same. Nothing much seems to have changed. Instead of New Year, new hope, it's New Year, old problems. And you long for some relief. You long for some way through. You long for a joy you don't have. You long for the weight to be lifted. You long for the heaviness of spirit to disappear. You who labor and are heavy laden. But Jesus doesn't just say that. He says, note this. All you who labor and are heavy laden. Not just some, but all. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, as the Lord Jesus Christ issues this greatest of all invitations, he excludes none. Rather, he includes all. He would have you to understand this morning that the only ones who are excluded from what Christ offers in this verse are those who exclude themselves. He would exclude none. He would include all. Why would you exclude yourself? All you who labor and are heavy laden. You are invited, my friend, this morning. You seek purpose in life. You are invited. You seek forgiveness of sin. You are invited. You, think re you seek reconciliation with God. You are invited. You seek assurance of heaven. You are invited. All you who labor and are heavy laden. That's the first thing. You are invited. Second thing. Jesus invites you. Jesus invites you. Who's inviting is clear from the context. If we were to just back up in the chapter a few verses to verse 25. Then we find these words. At that time Jesus answered and uh, said. And it's Jesus who is speaking in this paragraph. Jesus who issues this invitation of invitations. What do we know about Jesus? Well, many things are from the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John which narrate his uh, time here upon the earth. And we can read uh, at some length about his birth, how he came into the world, about his life, how he lived a perfect life, about his death, how he died in our place and for our sin, about his resurrection, how he rose triumphant and victorious from the dead, about his ascension, how he has returned to heaven and even now is seated at the Father's right hand on high. But again, let's look at the context. What is the context in which we find these words of, our, of invitation that are taking our attention uh, this morning. Look what Jesus says 
in the verse immediately before our text, verse 27. Sam read these words to us earlier. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Matthew Henry, who wrote his classic commentary on the Bible uh, many uh, generations ago now, highlights from this 27th verse uh, what we might call uh, Jesus' commission from the Father and his knowledge of the Father. Think about his commission from the Father. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, the Lord Jesus says. This explains to us the why of what we read in the Gospels. When we read of his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension and the many other things we read of about the Lord Jesus in the Gospels, this explains why. He is the one commissioned by the Father to reconcile men and women to God. He is the one to whom all things have been delivered, that he might be at one and the same time both the saviour of the penitent, those who repent and turn from their sins and trust in him as saviour and as lord, and also the judge of the impenitent, those who refuse to repent and turn from their sin and who reject him as saviour and uh, as lord. He is the one to whom all things has been delivered. He has received this great commission to do what was necessary to reconcile sinful uh, men and women to a holy God. That he might save the penitent and judge the impenitent. But notice in verse 27 not only his commission from the Father but also his knowledge of the Father. He continues, no one knows the Son except the Father nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. He is the one who knows the Father and who is known by him. And he is the one in and through whom we too can come to know the Father. And to experience what it is to be known and loved and accepted by him. Jesus who invites you this morning it's not the preacher it's not the church it's none other than Jesus Christ the son of God the saviour of the world the lord of glory the king of kings so we're saying this morning from our text you are invited that's the first thing Jesus invites you that's the second thing but number three, what an invitation. What an invitation. Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. It's an interesting word that we have translated in our Bibles as rest. Rest is a good translation. We could translate it, and I will refresh you. That's the kind of rest that's being spoken of. It's, a, it's a being refreshed. It's being given an ability to, to go forward and to press on. When we come to Jesus and he gives us rest, no longer do we live in an attempt to find rest, but rather we live as those who have found rest. In the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not trying to live our way into rest. As if somehow we can find the rest we desire by ourselves. But rather we live our way out of the rest. Which we have been given and which we have found in Jesus Christ alone. We can think of this rest that Jesus gives. Both negatively and positively. We can think of it negatively in terms of a rest uh, from things, things that he takes from us. 
uh, and we can think of it also positively in terms of a, a rest to other things, things that he gives to us. So negatively, this rest, this refreshing, it is a rest from a meaningless life. It is a rest from a, a sinful guilt. It is a rest from a having to constantly make our own efforts at our DIY do-it-yourself a salvation. It's a rest from all those things. But positively, positively, as Jesus gives to us this rest, he gives to us on account of the life he lived on our behalf, on account of the death he died in our place, on account of his resurrection from the dead and having the power of an endless life, he gives to us, what does he give to us? Well, he gives to us peace with God. The peace with God we can find nowhere else. We find it in him. More than that, not only does he give you peace with God, but he gives you peace with yourself. Because it's only when you're truly at peace with God that you can really be at peace with yourself. And not only that, but he gives peace with others. As one who is reconciled to God and is reconciled to yourself, so you can be reconciled to others. And this is a continual refreshing. It's not just a, a one-off thing. <clears throat> All the way through the Christian life, if our trust is in Jesus Christ and in him alone, he keeps giving this rest. He continually refreshes us. Morning by morning. Week by week. All the way through our lives. Constantly delivering us from a meaningless life, from sinful guilt and our own efforts at DIY salvation. Constantly assuring us of peace with God through the blood of his cross. And that we can be at peace with ourselves and at peace with others as we live on the basis of Christ and his righteousness. Notice the language Jesus uses here. Come to me, he says. Me. And I will give you rest. I. The me, the I. Jesus referring to himself by those terms. Impresses upon us this morning that Christianity is personal. That it's Jesus who invites you. It's Jesus who issues this invitation. It's Jesus who makes this offer. It's Jesus who invites you to come to him. More than that, it's not only that he invites you to come to him, but he invites you to come to him in order that in your coming to him, he might come to you, that he might offer himself to you, that he might give himself to you as your saviour, your lord and your friend. Jesus says to you this morning, come to me and I'll go with you. That's really what he's saying. Come to me and I'll go with you. I'll go with you step by step. I'll go with you through all of life's ups and downs. When you're up, I'll be there. And when you're down, I'll be there. And I'll go with you. When you feel you need of me. And I'll go with you even. When you don't feel you need of me. And think you're doing just fine by yourself. Come to me. And I'll go with you. It's a wonderful invitation isn't it? To have someone who loves us. Unconditionally. To have someone who will go with us in all the ups and downs of life. To have someone who will be by our side, come what may. Perhaps we all have one or two or a few people in life who in some ways are like that. Perhaps we are all 
in some ways like that for one or two or a few people in life. But the best of friends can let us down. And surely we know enough about ourselves to know that we too have often let down those closest to us. But the Lord Jesus Christ will never, ever let you down. He invites you to come to him. He promises to go with you. To be all that you need today and all that you need tomorrow and all that you need every day. To be all that you need as you live. To be all that you need when you come to die. And to be all that you need throughout all the forevers of eternity. This Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What an invitation. But friends, any invitation demands a response, doesn't it? And if this is the invitation of all invitations then surely it demands the response of all responses. Many of you know we have a wedding in our family later this year. We were talking just this week about wedding invitations. And uh, you remember you receive a wedding invitation or no doubt invitations to other things too. And often you find these letters somewhere on it, don't you? R-S-V-P. Which, if you know your French, stands for Répondez s'il vous plaît, which loosely translated means, please reply. In other words, we're inviting you, but you need to respond. We want you to reply. Are you coming to the wedding, or are you not coming to the wedding? Whatever event it is you're being invited to, will you be there, or will you not be there? What's your response? Yes or no? Now, no doubt, some invitations are best declined. Some invitations we receive in life, the best thing we can do is to decline them. And some invitations, maybe they are neither here nor there in one sense. You may respond positively and say yes, or you may respond negatively and say no. But really, whether you say yes or whether you know, go, say no, whether you go or whether you don't, whether it's not going to make much difference at the end of the day. Some invitations are best accepted. Invitations you'd think, well, I wouldn't want to decline this one. I'd be a fool to decline this one. No, this is an invitation I should accept. Nothing to lose, everything to gain by accepting such an invitation. Well, my friend, be in no doubt this morning. This invitation in our text today is the greatest invitation you'll ever receive. You'll never receive a better invitation than this one. You can't afford not to take it seriously. The consequences of how you respond to this invitation are not just big. They couldn't be bigger. Truly what you do with this invitation from the lips of the Savior this morning, I exaggerate not, is a matter of life and death. To decline this invitation. To say no to the Lord Jesus Christ. To pass by his offer of rest. Is to be lost. To live lost. And to die lost. To enter eternity lost. And to be lost in hell forever. Nothing could be worse than that.
But to accept this invitation, to accept this invitation from the lips of the Saviour, is to be saved. It's to have your sins forgiven. It's to be reconciled to God. It's to have peace with heaven. It's to have meaning and purpose in life. It's to have a Saviour who loves you and who will be with you all the way home to glory. It's to live saved. And when the time comes to die saved, to enter eternity saved, and to spend all the forevers of forever saved and safe in glory with Jesus. You may decline this invitation, but why would you say no to Jesus? Why would you pass by his offer of rest? Oh, that you would accept this invitation. Oh, that you would say yes to Jesus this morning. Oh, that you would come to him, that he might give you this rest. That you might grab this invitation with both hands. More than that, that you might grab this Savior with both hands. And know that as you take hold of him, he's already taken hold of you. And those of whom he takes hold, he never, ever lets go. Amen. We'll close this morning by singing a lovely hymn of Vernon Hyam. It's 544, if you're using a book, 544. Have you heard the voice of Jesus softly pleading with your heart? Have you felt his presence glorious as he calls your soul apart? The closing hymn. the strength of his people be your shepherd and carry you forever. Amen. Amen.